You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 95. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Today's episode is sponsored by Squarespace.com. At the end of this episode, I will be speaking with Allison Magpante of AllisonMagpante.com. She's a designer and Squarespace user, and we'll be talking about her experience with Squarespace. And of course, as always, you can go to squarespace.com lively to get your free 14-day trial, and you can use the code lively at checkout to get 10% off of your service. Also, I have a big announcement, just kind of a note here, some housekeeping. Life with Intention Online is closing. The registration's closing tomorrow at midnight, which is Friday, September 25th. We have the biggest incoming class we've ever had, which is very exciting. We have also our alumni who have lifetime access to the course as well, who are excited to get started. So for those who are in Life with Intention, tomorrow you'll be getting your login information so we can start sharing in the community and meeting one another. And class will start on Sunday. If you are interested and your gut is telling you to sign up or learn more, go over to lifewithintentiononline.com to register and learn more. The reason this episode is coming out a little later in the morning than usual is because I was up till 11 working with people live online last night. And in preparation for that fireside chat I did, I didn't have as much time as I typically do to get my intro and outros recorded the night before so the show can go live on Thursday morning. But one of the good things that came out of that fact is because we had a technical difficulty. We had a caching issue. This was a live event and not planned to be recorded and shared in that format. But because of the technical difficulty, I'm hoping to turn this lemon into lemonade by sharing this with you and for anyone else who wasn't able to make the live event, now you can go see it recorded. So for those who are wondering about the fireside chat and what this is all about, if you haven't heard about it, it is about the eight practices for a fulfilling and joyful career and an honest behind the scenes look at my own career. This is something that applies to not only business owners, this totally applies to people in traditional career paths as well or non-traditional career paths. These practices are universal. You can go to jesslively.com slash career fireside chat in order to watch the video and get a printable that has those practices so you can print them out and keep them on your wall in your office. Now let's get on to today's guest. He is the author and thought leader, John Acuff. He's written five books, including Start and Quitter, and his newest book is called Do Over, which is all about how you can create a career savings account so that you can proactively handle transitions in your career so you can make positive career transitions like you are ready to make a shift and up-level in your career, or you're also able to handle the unexpected negative things that may happen in a career. Let's go to the show. John, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me, Jess. Let's get started with your background. Let's quickly go over who you are and how you got to this place today. I'm an author and a speaker, and I spent about 16 years in corporate America working for companies like Bose and Home Depot, helping them with their stories and their branding. Started a blog in the middle of that that gained some traction and got a book deal out of that. And ended up two years ago going off on my own to write books full-time and speak full-time and figure out how to help people enjoy that 40 hours to 60 hours a week that they're going to do for 40 years, which is their job. And so I live in Nashville with my wife and two daughters who are 9 and 11. 
Let's talk today about your newest book, Do Over. So I've had a lot of fun reading it, and I'm telling my brother and my husband and everyone I know that they should be reading this book. So can you explain what the term do over means in terms of your career? Yeah, it's really a fancier term for change. It's the idea that there's four types of change every career goes through. You hit a ceiling, which is when you get stuck. Um, And that can happen in a lot of different ways. Maybe you came to the top of a career ladder earlier than you thought, or a career you thought was going to go a certain way didn't go that way. You can go through a bump, which is where something negative, unexpected happens. You lose your job, or maybe the person that recruited you, who loved you, leaves after you get to the company after a month. There's jump moments, too, where you say, I'm going to positively change my life, and that could be I move to a new city, I start a podcast, I read a new book. And then there's opportunity moments, moments that you didn't see coming that are positive. And so that's what the book's about, and it's been fun to see people from stay-at-home moms who say, you know what, my son just went to first grade, and I've got a little more time, I want to explore something else, to people that are graduating college. That's a huge do-over. A do-over is just a life change, and it can be really big or really small, but the book is about how do you navigate those? Because it's not about avoiding them. They're coming for us all. You can get knocked over by the wave or have a surfboard and enjoy the wave. Since you mentioned that mom that has different time on her hands, has Jenny gone through any of these do-overs lately? Without a doubt. I mean, back to school is always a do-over. And she, she talks about that, about, okay, all of a sudden I had these two little people that were my companions and now they're back to school and I've got to figure out the new rhythm and remember that. And so it always takes us a few weeks at the house to kind of go through that do-over. She had her undergrad in photojournalism and then got a master's in construction management from Georgia Tech. And so she was in the career field and had a do-over when we had our first daughter. And so, yeah, she's been a, a great source of inspiration and encouragement to watch her and how she handles life change. Awesome. So we're going to get into the career savings account soon because that's your big premise of how to handle these with the surfboard rather than sinking, as you just shared. One of your early statements I thought was pretty bold. You said, what if having the job we wanted was about being the person we needed to be first? Yeah, it's overwhelming at first to realize that the biggest gatekeeper to you doing meaningful work is usually you. It's way easier to blame the economy or blame a bad boss or blame a situation or blame a spouse who doesn't understand you. But when you realize that, wait a second, I'm the one that gets to make these choices. I'm the one that gets to make these decisions. It quickly turns into freedom and ability. And so for me, when I you know, went off on my own, I had said for years, oh, these bosses don't understand me. And then when I got out into the world, I realized, oh, wait a second, I'm the one who holds back me. What am I going to do about that? So what the book's about is if you learn these four things, which is you know, kind of the heart of the career savings account, I don't know what you're going to do in 10 years, but I know you're going to need these things. And neither do you know what you're going to do in 10 years. Let's invest in them. So basically, being the person you need to be with that surfboard mentality is about this career savings account and having those four areas in spades? Exactly. And knowing how to invest in them. And the career savings account, the formula is simple. It's relationships plus skills plus character times hustle. That's what a career savings account is. And none of your listeners right now are going, that's amazing. He said the word skills. Never thought I needed that. Or like <laughs> relationships. This guy's a genius. Like I'm so glad Jess had him on. But the problem is most of us have never applied these four in this way. And you need all four. Let's say that you have great relationships, great skills, and great hustle, but your character takes a hit. You become Tiger Woods and it falls apart. Right now when golf commentators go, it's so weird, Tiger Woods isn't good at golf. I want to say, is it that weird? 
because part of his life blew up. There was a bomb. Is it possible that part impacted the other parts? You're out of your mind if you think your character won't impact your relationships. Now, is there a chance for redemption and second chances? Of course there is. But the book's about how do you invest in those things because they're related. Take, for instance, relationships often get you the first gig. Somebody will take a shot on you, Jess, because of a friendship. But to get that second gig, you better have skills. Because if you have a friend, let's say one of your listeners has a friend that opens their own salon and they're terrible at cutting hair, you go one time and you say, oh, bless her heart. <laughs> I love Rebecca. I'm so proud of her chasing a dream. I don't want her near my head with scissors, but oh, good for her. No, you need relationships and skills. So that's what the book's about is seeing the interplay between those, realizing you have more than you could possibly imagine. Like, Nobody ever understands how many skills they really have, how many relationships they have. So there's some really simple exercises that help you unearth that. And that's what I love is seeing people give this book to their spouses. I talk to so many husbands and wives that see something in their spouse that they don't see themselves. And I'll have wives go, you know what? I wish my husband could see what I see because it's so much more than he knows. And then like the fun part is they'll read Do Over because it's a funny book. Yeah, it is funny. Like most books like this are terribly boring, like terrible, but I love humor and I love to make people laugh. And I, I was so excited that Jim Gaffigan endorsed the book, you know, like Hot Pockets that, you know, <laughs> I want to write an interesting, fun book. Like how dare I write a boring book telling you to have an exciting career? That doesn't make sense. And so I love getting to see that happen. What is the area of the career savings account that most people have the most? And what is the area most people you found have the weakest link in by the time they're reading this book? Oh, that's a good question. Most people have more skills than they understand. I talked to a teacher the other day, been a teacher for 30 years and told me, uh, I've got to start a new career and I don't have any transferable skills. And I wanted to grab him by the shoulders and go, three decades of teaching? You don't think you have skills? You're crazy. Let me show you what they are. And so I think most people have more skills than they think. The one they have a hard time with, especially in a disconnected culture like we have right now, is relationships. There's a lot of things that cause that. One is the fear that you have to be perfect because everybody looks great on Instagram. Every friend of yours, like they have a toddler that taught themselves Mandarin and you're like, oh my God, like my kid is so lazy. Like my kid isn't doing long division at two. Like, oh, and it's, so we've got this world that says you have to look a certain way. And so we're afraid to be honest. We're afraid to be authentic and we get isolated in that. We go out to dinner with people and look at our phones instead. And so I think right now it's really hard to have honest, engaged relationships. And so that would be of the four. I think that's the biggest challenge for people right now. Yeah. One of the other challenges I get, so I was telling someone that they need to read this book. I told them the four areas and they were like, yeah, yeah, I got that. I'm doing that. <laughs> I'm like, you haven't even read the book. I've just said the words. And they're like, no, 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 I got it. Don't worry about it. What about that? So what if people are listening and they're like, you know what? I'm doing great in these areas just from what they've heard in this first, whatever, eight minutes of this interview. What are your thoughts? Uh, I'd say, well, awesome. How's it working out for you? If you're doing something you love to do, if you've got the kind of career you like and you feel like you're doing meaningful work and, you know, you didn't set goals in January that you're not living out in August or September, or October, like awesome, like keep crushing it. My thing is that it's not a book for people that don't like their job, though. It's a book for people who want to be their best. I would dare anyone who said, I've already got all the relationships I need, all the skills I need, all the character I need and all the hustle I need, I'd say, that is adorable. Like you are so perfect. Like I wish, let me get your autograph. <laughs> I think that the great challenge is when you think you're done learning. 
I completely understand that. There might be areas you're stronger in. But if somebody said that to me, I'd say, who are your three advocates right now that are able to speak honest truth into your life that you meet with on a regular basis? And if they said, oh, well, there's somebody 10 years ahead of my career field, I talk to them. There's somebody 10 years ahead of my marriage, I talk to them. And there's somebody 10 years behind in my career field who sees things coming that I don't know about, I talk to them, I'd go, you're killing it. But more than likely, if I said, name your advocates that you meet with regularly that give you honest truth and tell you when you're getting off track, they go, uh, so that's what I'd say. So advocates for everyone listening are basically what you think of as mentors. I would say that's a rough estimate here. So here's a question you didn't actually address in the book. How do you get that person's attention? For those listening, an advocate is there to help you, but you're not investing in their life in terms of giving them advice. They're ahead of you. So how do you get that busy person to care about your life? I've actually got a blog post. I think it's going live in the next couple of weeks about ask friends for favors and ask strangers for friendship. I think one of the mistakes people make is they find somebody who's really successful and really busy and then they go, hey, I'd like you to be my mentor. I want to have coffee every day. And, da, 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 and they, Or they send them a 10,000 word long email and they're like, I know you're busy, but novella. And then they give them this novella. No, the book did talk about ask them questions, like ask them two questions. And if two feels like a lot, ask one. Ask one question of, hey, I really admire where you are in your career. I'm working on something similar. What's one book you'd recommend I read right now? It would take them longer to not respond than to respond with read Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott because it's a great book on writing. And then guess what? You read the book and then you write them, hey, I read the book. I learned these three things. Thank you so much. And you figure out, is there a chance to start a relationship? James Altiger, this author, says this, like never ask a busy, successful person if you can buy them coffee. They have coffee. They have access to coffee. Nobody, when you go, hey, I'd like to pick your brain for an hour, buy your coffee. Wow, my time's worth $4. Thanks for feeling like I've got these free hours where I'm just like, hope a stranger who might stab me wants to buy me a coffee. It's just the wrong approach. So I, I always tell people, especially in an internet age, connect with a question. Ask them a question. Or, and again, this is, you know, this is pretty common, ask if there's a way to help. Like, and not just ask for a way to help, propose something. Say, hey, I noticed online when people search your name, they search these 10 questions. Have you ever thought about doing an FAQ? I could put it together for you and there'd be no work for you. Like serve them. It's a great way to start a conversation. It's so interesting you say that. I totally have a scenario right now where I'm giving business advice to someone. I don't even do business advice anymore in my career, but someone did. They started doing these wonderful quotes and through that process of just helping, she just was making them because she enjoyed the show. That has parlayed into this friendship and now I'm giving her this advice that I wouldn't normally even offer anyone because that's not something I do anymore. But just because she's in my life now through this way, I see how that has happened for me even without me realizing it. I think people enjoy being helped. I I know I've already mentioned, but yeah, James Altiger, this author, talks about that a lot. I just think it's a smart thing. And I've done it the wrong way before where I haven't read somebody's book. I just sent them a question. And now I look at that and go, no wonder they didn't respond. Like they probably wanted to go, have you read my book? And the hubris of me going like, I know you wrote a book about this topic, but I demand just a two sentence summary of your life's work right now. And I'm not going (laughs) to buy your work or help you continue to have a career, but just give me the answer. And so- you know, just be patient with it um, and be, be consistent with it. Advocates could also be paid mentors, if you will, or consultants that you work with to give you advice in this way. It doesn't have to just be because they feel like giving you an hour of time every quarter of their lives. It could be a coach. Totally. It could be a coach. The challenge there is finding one who's actually done something you want to do. 
And so you have to do the work of sorting through and, and saying, wow, this person has a type of career, type of life, type of whatever I'd like to have too. I'd love to hire them. You get to set how long that is and what that is for, but we have the most coaches available ever in the history of coaching. Yes. And I love your take on attitudes and expectations in your career. Can you quickly explain attitudes and expectations? They're the two things that wreck most careers. And in the book, I say, hey, let's be honest, like a lot of people don't finish books, including me. And that was past chapter two, by the way. Yeah, exactly. So that chapter, I say, here's what to do to change your job tomorrow. And one is choose your attitude because changing your attitude takes forever. Like choose it. Choose to see the people that you work with, not as enemies, but as people you get to serve. It's always frustrating when you have a waiter or a waitress who seems so mad that you're there and you think, I just want to give you money. I'm not in your house. Like you knew coming here that, oh, wait, people are going to be asking me to bring them things to the table. I should have a good attitude. Choose your attitude. And the second one is adjust your expectations. Be honest about what you're expecting the job to do. I've had jobs where, to tell you the truth, Jess, I was like, oh, I'm so mad. They don't let me do enough creative writing. And guess what they didn't hire me to do? Creative writing. So it was really dumb for me to get really upset every day and be like, just another day when I didn't get to do any creative writing at the job where they didn't hire me to do that versus going, you know what? My expectation is I want to do more creative writing. So I'm going to get up earlier in the morning. I'm going to do some creative writing on the weekends. I'm not going to binge watch Netflix. I'm going to actually do something I care about. And then I'm not going to expect my job to fulfill that because it's getting fulfilled other places. I think that there's this pressure people are putting on their careers right now to hit every single wish list item of things they want to do in their lives. Or they put it on their businesses. I think it's either a job at a company or in your own company. They have like 17 things they want to do. What's your take on that? My take is, thank God you're saying words like that out of your mouth. I am so on the same page. And I don't know where it happened or how it happened and what I've contributed to this conversation in some negative ways. But the idea of calling and purpose and dream, like It's true. Like there's this expectation that the second something is difficult, it must not be your dream and you should do something else. Or the second something is uncomfortable or awkward or frustrating and we'd show up to some jobs and they're like, fulfill my every desire today by 9 a.m. And if I've finished my first coffee, this is the wrong thing and I I must not have found my calling. And we'll be like 23 and we'll be like, that whole industry didn't work for me or that whole company. And so I think there is a lot of, I don't know if it's pressure or just expectation. Going back to the first thing we said, The pressure is on you. It's not your company's job for you to have a good job. It's your job. If you look at your life and honestly say, these are the 15 things that I think matter to me, then you get to figure out how to make those 15 happen. So a lot of people might go, oh, I have to go do my own thing now in order to get this 15 hit. No, 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 that's not true. It doesn't even work there. You don't have time to do 15 things I find in my own business, though I want to. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. Doing it on my own for the last two years, like when people were like, it just must be a dream. I think that's hilarious. That is so adorable. You think that's what it's like. No, it's not. And that was kind of uh, heart crushing at first when you step out on your own and realize now I'm doing my own thing and I can do whatever I want. And then you realize, wow, like forming an LLC takes forever or like getting one image made correctly. And then I would add to your thought. There's this whole, like, you have to be an entrepreneur or you're a failure idea right now. And I don't subscribe to that either. Yeah, we have an episode coming up, actually, to talk about that. Good. You can chase a dream at a big company. You can do awesome, meaningful work at big companies. Intrapreneur. Intrapreneur, exactly. I mean, I just think it's crazy when people feel ashamed. They'll go, 
still got a day job. If I could go back and change the subtitle of quitter, I would take the word day job out because I think you do yourself a tremendous disservice when you insult your job before you've even walked in the building. When you call your job that pays your bills, my day job, like, of course you have a bad day. As you walked in, you're like, time to go to my sucky job. Like, ugh. So there's this laundry list everyone's been having, and maybe you had one too when you were younger that you couldn't get fulfilled. What is something that you have decided, this is something I used to think I had to get through my career, and now I realize I was misplacing it. I didn't have to get that specific thing in the career. I could get it somewhere else in my life instead. I'm really exploring the idea that there are things I write online that don't have to be a reflection of my heart and my personality and my soul. Like They can be because I thought it was an interesting thing and it's the business I do is write ideas. And I can express those other things to the relationships I really have in real life. It's okay if a blog post I write is about an idea I saw that I thought would help a lot of people and not go, was this me today? Did I fully express me today? Like, no, I'll express that with my kids and my neighbors and the guy I have coffee with on Tuesdays. And, and so that's one thing for me that I'm realizing, okay, as you navigate the dream and business and art and commerce and all that, that there are things that I shouldn't look to the internet to provide. And I shouldn't look to strangers to provide. That's a really weird thing we do. I'm just going to quickly share what you do <laughs> before your speaking gigs. Before you have them, you call the host and tell them a week after the event, what can I have done that makes you look like a rock star to the people who matter at your job? What has that allowed you to do by doing that one thing? One, it establishes a relationship that I'm here that day to serve you. You're not there to serve me. You might be the speaker host, but I'm, you've hired me. I, I work for you. So right out of the gate, don't expect me to show up cocky or demanding or entitled. I want this to be the best possible event for you too. So right out of the gate, it does that. And then it gives me a chance to ask them questions about the audience. It's very egotistical for me to think, I don't need to know who these people are. They're just going to get whatever idea I want to share with them versus I'd much rather say, hey, what challenges are they going through right now? You work at that company. You're there all year. I'm going to be there for an hour. There's a chance you have better insight into what they're going through than I do. It's a chance for me to learn, but it's also a chance for them to get to share. So I think it establishes the nature of the relationship right out of the gate that I'm there to do the best I can to make them look great and to serve their audience. Just like the waiter in the earlier example. Exactly. And, there, you know, it, it's such a small thing. And it also humanizes you. You know, you get to have a conversation before an event and you're no longer just an email. It's amazing what a 10 minute phone call can do for a relationship. Yeah, it also totally applies for people with their bosses or peers or other people in other industries that you work with. I'm actually going to call you out right now on something you mentioned. You said, though I could actually crush your online dating profile here, if you let me write it, I won't be giving broad relationship advice. But I'm actually going to ask you, what's your biggest tip on dating profiles if you were to write them? Um, be honest about who you are. You do yourself a tremendous disservice if you create a really enticing profile that isn't true of your life. Cause then when they show up, you have to perform and they don't get to meet you. It's just like a live version of the profile. That's not really honest. And it's just exhausting. You don't want to create separate versions of yourself. If you're not funny and love humor and, and you create this, I love comedy profile. And then people show up and you don't, and you're not that way. It's just this huge disconnect. And then stay off a of tender. Like, there's like, <laughs> stay off a of tender. Um, I know people who have met their wives and husbands on it. Like, I'm not saying it's all bad, but like, 
as a cultural phenomenon, the chance for us to have more barely not anonymous relationships does not end well. What current internal doubts or resistance are you facing in your life right now? Um, that humor has value. Um, it's my favorite thing. I watch 100 comedians for every one business speaker I watch. But then when I go to write my blog, I end up writing like serious, oh, this is serious writer voice. And so I would say accepting that the thing I'm good at has value. And I think a lot of people have that. You don't get applauded for it? I would think that'd be a strong aspect of your voice that people are paying you to write like. Oh, yeah. No, I get (laughs) constantly applauded. That doesn't matter. Really? What does your voice say inside that discredits that? Humor is just cheesy. It doesn't help people. It's not worth it. But no, people all the time tell me, I never read books like yours, but it was funny and I couldn't put it down. There's a million people in my space that write normal business books that don't write books that are funny and insightful. So I have every indication I should do more of that. But when I sit down, it has a hard time coming out. Yeah, it's like a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Exactly. Mary Poppins. What would you tell someone who's just starting out on this journey? I would say give themselves permission to um, ask questions, to learn. The thing that kind of keeps me going is I believe you're capable of more than you think, and I believe it's going to be harder than you think. And if I can get you to believe that first part, that you're capable of more than you think, if I can get you to give yourself the permission to dream and to say, why not? Why not me? You know, what if? Then I can talk to you about the second part. Those are the two things, because there's a lot of people that will tell you you're capable of so much, but they never tell you about the hard work. And you read these books and you feel like you're a failure because you just got really excited, but there was nothing to do with it. And then you read some books or blogs where it's here's the hard work and it's boring and you don't have the fuel of hope to kind of push you through it. And so that's what I always try to tell people is you're capable of more than you think. And I know this because every single person I've ever met was capable of more than they think. And then it's going to take more work than you think because we tend to want shortcuts. And people on the internet sell you like, here's my $9,000 video course. You'll become a writer in nine minutes. And you're like, that can't be true, but here's my $9,000. It's a balance between those two things. John, it was so awesome to have you here. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, I can't wait to hear the episode. And please let me know when it's up. I would love to tell everybody that follows me all about it. And there you have it. Thank you, John, so much for coming on the show. And thank you for listening. If you'd like to send John a message, you can go over to Twitter at John Acuff, J-O-N-A-C-U-F-F. And if you want to find me on Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter, you can find me at Jess C is in caching lively. For show notes for today's episode, of course, they're over at JessLively.com slash John Acuff. And remember, Life with Intention online registration closes tomorrow at midnight. So if you are interested in learning more or signing up because your intuition is telling you this is the right time for you to be doing this deep and meaningful work, go over to LifeWithIntentionOnline.com. And I'm excited to see you tomorrow in the community as we start to welcome each other before the official start of class. And before I share who's coming on the show, next week, let's talk with Allison Magpante about Squarespace.com. Allison, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. My name is Allison Magpante, and I'm a designer and maker living in Los Angeles, California. I design leather goods for travel and desktops. What kind of products? The products that I design can go from phone case uh, wallets to notebook holders to women's clutches. And it can also go from leather trays to laptop and mouse pads. Why have you decided to bring your site to Squarespace? 
I decided to bring my site to Squarespace specifically because my work is about blending old age leather craft techniques and also modern age techniques. So Squarespace really complemented my work with their modern and simple templates with my old age products. I love that. I know one of the new age things that you're doing is experimenting with the commerce side of things through Squarespace partnerships like Pinterest and Google AdWords. How are those partnerships with Squarespace helping you as a business owner? Squarespace is now offering new ways for me to stand out. For example, they're offering uh, Google AdWords. So basically, Google AdWords is another way to stand out from your competition. And so when you're searching for something on Google search, there are results that would come up first as an ad. So for example, when a user would uh, Google search iPhone case or iPhone wallet case, I would actually be the first or second one as an ad to come up in their keyword search. And Squarespace makes that easier for you to do and organize instead of having to go through Google directly? Yes. Basically, Squarespace would be the middleman between me and Google AdWords, where it would cut all the work in half for me. Awesome. And do they take a cut from you or do you just get that all for yourself? Um, It was actually all for myself. I would be the one who would be investing all of my dollars into Google AdWords and they don't make a cut. Yeah. So you're just saving time, basically. Yes, definitely saving time. Have you seen these things like the Bible pins on Pinterest and the Google AdWords make a boost in your sales? Yes, it has. I actually recently just posted about my summer sale. And because of the Pinterest partnership, people who are looking into end of the summer sales would actually click on my viable pin on Pinterest. And then therefore, I would actually make real conversions after that. So what would you tell people with product-based businesses that are thinking about building a website? What's your advice for them? Oh, wow. (laughs) That's a good question. Basically, yeah, I would definitely recommend Squarespace because if you're looking for a website to make it really easy for you uh, to make an e-commerce website, you could definitely do it in like a matter of one or two days because it took me at least one or two days to make a full e-commerce website with images, text, and a story to, to tell behind your products. And for anyone who wants to give this a shot, I have a free 14-day trial and a discount for you as well. So go over to squarespace.com lively and enter the code lively at checkout to get that 10% off. That's a two-week free trial to give it a shot. And if and when you are ready to actually sign up and actually go forward with it, use that code lively to get 10% off. Allison, where can people find you online? People can find me online on www.allisonmagpante.com. And they can also find me on Instagram and on Pinterest and on Twitter under my first and last name, Allison Magpante. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much, Jess. I had a great time. And now for a sneak peek. Next week on the show, I am excited and honored to bring you Tal Ben Shahar, who is a positive psychology researcher and professor who once taught at Harvard with the number one and number three most popular classes in all of the university. While he was teaching, I was also a college student myself at the University of Michigan. I found out about his positive psychology class at Harvard because of all the news. He's on The Daily Show and a bunch of other places because of the extreme success of his class, and I decided to join in. I found his recordings of his live lectures and listened to them over and over again in many cases, learning from his wisdom and using it in my own life. It made a big impact on me, and I'm so honored to bring Tal on the show to talk about positive psychology, the impact of technology on children, and much more. Until then, may something wonderful happen to you today. <laughs>